everyone. Uh, before we get started, we just have a couple of reviewers to thank. Yes, to uh, Smelsula, Smelsula and Life of Summers on iTunes. Thank you both so much for your reviews. We really appreciate it. Um, and Smelsula, thank you so much for being our first Canadian review. That's very exciting. We're going so global. It's great. <laughs> One of our Facebook reviewers, after hearing us talk about how excited we were that we had two Germany reviews, emailed us to be like, oh, BT dubs, I'm in Australia, and I'm like converting all my Australian friends to your podcast also. So it's very exciting. We're very excited about going Going worldwide. Oh, yeah. 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 Pretty soon we're going to be like, we're big in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Tom Waits song, you guys. I know a lot of you apparently don't listen to the same music as me and Jesse. That's fine. We forgive you. I actually was not aware it was a Tom Waits song, so... As me. (laughs) 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 All right. All right. All right. And with that... The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. (laughs) You shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. (laughs) Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about (laughs) Harry Potter. Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two, damn it, where do I want to put humorous yet ruthless before the word podcast? Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire. Jesse Blount, and we are at chapter 18, the last chapter of Chamber of Secrets. Woo! We are. We did it. We did it. We did it. Anyway. All right. Uh, so chapter 18, Dobby's reward. Ginny's alive and all of the Weasleys are relieved. The Mandrakes are murdered and everyone's unpetrified and Hager gets <laughs> out of prison. Harry gets more half-truths and thinks about if he's like Lord Voldemort. Dobby is free. Lucius gets his just rewards, and Harry returns to yet another summer of abuse. Dun, dun, dun. All right, now, listeners, before we move any further, I'm sure you've all been waiting on tenterhooks <laughs> for the end of season big finale recap song, which you are about to experience. Here we go. I'm a little self-conscious. Hogwarts! Oh my god! <laughs> okay! Oh no! <laughs> Watch out! 
position i was so pleased with you should be that was amazing thank you oh man it's like <laughs> the muscles behind my ear hurt from smiling <laughs> so much <laughs> oh man it has been so hard to not share that with you my like compromise when i write songs that i'm like i have some written that are for like season seven but like when I write them, I'm like, I can't, I need to surprise Jesse on air with this. I just send them to Theo because I'm like, I need to share this with someone besides Evan, who obviously fields them first. <laughs> um, with that one, I wrote through like stabbing the snake, which is like the end of the verse before like the clap part. And I was like, I have to fit in everything <laughs> toward to the end of the book in the next eight lines is it even eight lines eight four eight i was like the part with like freeing dobby what the fuck am i gonna do and i was like we'll just make it longer i was like no i'm gonna fucking do this <laughs> sit down buckle down and make it happen and you did and i did and i'm in awe and it was inc- <laughs> it was incredible oh god okay so that was really exciting anyway we start this newspaper off with today's headlines 
Despite Witch NSA having full knowledge of all goings-on at Hogwarts, two 12-year-olds were forced to battle you-know-who in a fucking basilisk all by themselves. NSA leader Albus Dumbledore was quoted as saying, Look, just because I can be everywhere at once doesn't mean I can be everywhere at once, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so many bananas things happen in this show. (laughs) It is so wild. My Wish NSA watch is so long. I feel like I have a lot of things that probably end up just going into Witch NSA where I'm just like, where does any of this stuff go? So... Yeah, maybe we'll get that out of the way early on, just in case. Okay. We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Um, okay, so my first one is that in the description when they walk into the office, the description of like what everyone's doing with their bodies. In my book... Shit, I should have written down the whole thing. Uh, Professor McGonagall. I have this part highlighted. (laughs) Okay, so she's taking great studying gasps, clutching her chest. But in my book, there's a line break between after clutching her, and I auto-filled in pearls (laughs) with my brain, (laughs) which I think... Even though McGonagall would never wear pearls, she is having a very clutching her pearls moment right here. And so I just really appreciate the fact that the line break is where it is. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's actually really funny because that's actually my first thing also about them arriving like nearly takes McGonagall out. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she has a weak heart. I feel like she does a lot of chest clutching. Although... She takes four stunners to the chest and doesn't die, which if she had a weak heart probably wouldn't be possible. I feel like if you're the head of house of Gryffindor, that you're probably under so much stress that (laughs) I feel like, because it does seem like, is she having a heart attack? Someone, someone please help her. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, she's not even that old in comparatively in like witching years, but it just seems like... It's she's like she like needs to take a vacation because she's like, all these students are de- all my students are dead, and then she's like, oh they're not. Yeah. But then also again, yeah, a, a, a like twelve year old battling a giant snake that must that's so horrifying. Yeah, her she has a rough job. <laughs> yeah, this is not a job that I would I envy in this Mm-mm. life. I mean, being a teacher is already I think a very thankless job. I mean, important obviously, but like. That's a hard profession to be in. It is. So is it your turn? I guess it is my turn. Okay, okay. so my... <laughs> the, w- <laughs> the way that Dumbledore describes uh, Voldemort's post-school career is basically like he spent a lot of time in the, in the dark web. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just continuing the evolution of Voldemort as, like, evil internet troll. <laughs> like... <laughs> i feel like i have something else in here that's like basically about that but yeah it's so funny he invested a lot of money in bitcoin uh, oh, no. he was on the silk road buying like weird shit Just hanging out on 4chan doing bad 4chan stuff i don't know it's it's actually pretty funny there's a podcast that i really like called the x podcast where 
they did it like a like an episode about the dark net and all like the really like fucked up things you can buy there. Like once you get like deeper and deeper into it, it's legitimately like horrifying. Hmm. Finding people to murder, people who are like human trafficking and all that kind of like fucked up shit. It's like it's pretty bleak. From what I could find out. And that's why I'm just like Yeah, that's basically what he was doing. <laughs> it is basically what he was doing. Uh okay, so here's my question. Harry gives this whole explanation, which includes figuring out that it was probably murder. Mm, probably Myrtle who was murdered by the basilisk last time and that the thing is probably in her bathroom. I assume he did not tell them about the polyjuice potion making. So how did he explain how he even knew that Myrtle existed at all? I mean, he did meet her at Nick's death day party and Hermione and I'm assuming other girls in the school know about her. So I think that's... I think that's something he could easily hand wave away. Okay. So. Okay. Well, then it's your turn. I'm actually a little bit surprised. Uh, so in this, in the early scene where they're still in Dumbledore's office, Dumbledore sends McGonagall away with a very, like, not even trying to be like, I need you to leave. Like, oh, go tell the kitchens that it's, we need to put a feast on mm-hmm. and i'm just like sort of surprised mcgungle's so cool with that i'm like shouldn't you maybe stay with these kids who are i mean i don't know i feel like the way that she leaves is very i feel like they have an understanding that's taking place here where she is much more of a stickler for the rules than dumbledore is and neither of them actually want to punish ron and harry but McGonagall would feel obligated to. And by giving that responsibility to Dumbledore, she's letting herself off the hook. And he's giving that to her in that moment to be like, you you can just go. You don't have to worry about, you know, doing the right thing versus doing what your heart is telling you to do. I'm uh, excusing you from this moral quandary. It's a plausible deniability. Yeah, well, you know, he's above her head in terms of the social hierarchy or literal hierarchy of, of the school. So if he says, I've got this, then she doesn't have any place to, Mm -hmm. to argue with the punishment that he hands down. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I felt like that was a kindness that he was doing to her for her. I am curious about how Harry managed to tell as much of the story as he managed to tell without bringing up the diary. Yeah. I did not understand how that could be in any way possible. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. I guess part of it has to be sort of him also kind of weaving in enough lies to cover up the other things that they did that were very illegal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess, okay, hold on. Maybe I take it back because he only gets as far as figuring out where the entrance to the chamber is mm-hmm. before he has to talk about the diary. All right. Maybe. Maybe I take it back. Okay, your turn. <laughs> so that just got me thinking about how they explain Aragog and getting away from Aragog and all of that stuff without being... But I guess since Dumbledore already gave already knew that 
Hagrid gave them cryptic advice, and then Dumbledore himself gave them cryptic advice. I guess some of it is like, I guess some of the details that if it was this, these details don't make sense. Only maybe Dumbledore is paying attention to that because I'm sure the Weasleys are just relieved that Mm -hmm. all of these kids are okay. Shockingly. Shockingly, (laughs) yes. What's really upsetting is that they find out that there are student-eating spiders in the woods and no one goes. And I assume because everyone loves Hagrid, they would lovingly relocate her pets to wherever they're native. But it should not be the case that the giant nightmare spiders, I don't want to try to say that word, um... (laughs) are still in the forest in book seven, you know? She'd be like, oh, shit, that sounds like really bad. We definitely should not let those spiders stay here. <laughs> super dangerous. Right, that is a disaster waiting to happen. Especially since they're apparently in the habit of sending children into the woods in the middle of the night to go, you know, do detentions because they just love their wacky detentions here at Hogwarts. So you definitely need to get the nightmare spiders that want to eat children out of the fucking forest, no matter how quote-unquote forbidden it is. It is truly miraculous how few students actually die in the course of this series at Hogwarts, when it seems like there should be dead students every year. But what if there are? Oh no! Given the gag order that we think exists, oh, no. and Harry wouldn't know because he barely knows other people in his house, let alone other houses. Yeah, and they probably just wipe the memories of all the kids that knew the kid that disappeared, and are just hush hush, oh, no. you know. Yikes! <laughs> in an alternative universe, Harry Potter is a horror story. <laughs> Yes. Holy shit. Harry Potter, not that I can read or watch horror anything because I am a little tiny baby, but this book would, you know, the, um, Danny Ortberg does the like children's stories made horrific. Harry Potter would make an incredible made horrific series. You wouldn't even have to make that many corrections to the actual canon in order to make it right. Just a fucked up scary story. Oh my god. I want... I'd watch the shadow of that. I want to contact Danny Ortberg and be like, please. Please, I think it's protected under parody laws. I'm pretty sure that you could write this and publish it for money. Just rewrite the whole Harry Potter series with Dumbledore written the way that we read him. And all of the the truths that are just sort of in the subtext made really relevant and on the surface, words are hard. Um, that'd be so great. Anyway, my turn? I think so. Okay, so I love Arthur's policy of don't trust something that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. That's... Just really solid, straightforward advice in a world this wacky and unpredictable. It is very good advice. Um, I want to point out 
the phrasing of that in the book where he's like where it keeps its brain which makes me imagine are there things like magical things where it's like the brain is somewhere else and you're like oh this is still trustworthy (laughs) which is weird whoa that's unsettling right Right? I mean who knows in this wacky magical world no you don't Um, it, it doesn't make this any less sage advice especially given in this series. Um, Even though it's really solid advice and literally in 12 and a half seconds, Harry is going to disregard it again with an object that we come to love and trust for the rest of the series, having learned literally nothing from the terrible, terrible events of this book. Harry's a great guy. Sometimes he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. (sighs) And and I mean, okay, I will say, we do get sort of permission to disregard Arthur's advice in as far as the Marauder's Map goes because we very quickly learn that Lupin is responsible for having made it and we learn its history. But Harry uses it kind of a lot before he gets that information. And so do the twins, which you would think this would... It sounds like Arthur's given this advice to all of his kids, and no one seems to be taking it to heart. No. Even, and in general, the twins, though they don't act like it, do have a lot of common sense. And it seems like that would have been a thing if anyone, if any of the kids would have been, this seems weird, it should have been them. That's very Um, true. Unless they know a lot of also really good charms to check out if it's a cursed evil object. You know what's funny is that Arthur says that this diary is clearly full of dark magic because it can, like, communicate with you. But the Marauder's Map isn't full of dark magic, but it can essentially do the same thing because we don't ever see it again after book three, but it does, like... I mean, it insults Snape. He talks to it and it responds in real time. You know, I've I've thought about that a little bit and I feel like it's different because I think that there's some kind of built-in mechanism for opening and closing the map that accounts for a lot of variables but is still different than like But it's still different from the diary. I think it's the difference between when you're logging into something and it gives you a, like, Kappaja, like, pick out the, like, four images or something like that, versus the diary where it's clearly not... It's... It's, like, communicating in real time, and it's not operating under, like, a set like parameters like what happens with the marauders map because i i because i also think i mean we'll we'll get more of this in the the next book i think it's basically like it's programmed to like keep the map secret unless you stumble upon some kind of Mm. password but it does indicate that it you know it knows who snape is and recognizes who they're talking to but we definitely i have so many notes for this episode we have to move on we'll revisit this very shortly in book three uh it's your turn though 
Just LOL at Harry and Ron getting a special service award to the school when we've already established what a bullshit arbitrary award that is since fucking Tom Riddle got it. That's very true. <laughs> I was just like, I was, Dumbledore, why you, you know this is an arbitrary bullshit award. That doesn't mean that it won't make them feel special, though. I mean, they're at 12. They're kind of just like... That's fair. I got an award. I get to be in the trophy room. It makes me laugh. It is funny. It is very funny. I just really like the description of Dumbledore twinkling down at Ginny. (laughs) It's really... I don't know. I just really like it. It's so weird. (laughs) We were, were talking earlier last chapter about how Fox knew to come rescue Harry and come to his aid. And since Dumbledore talks about, oh, since, you know, only someone so loyal could have called Fox down to you. I was just imagining like Fox checking his mentions and being like, oh, Harry Potter tag, Dumbledore, I better go check this out. so curious about how this loyalty link works and I know that there's no way that we can answer this question but I just find it so curious it's it's very interesting I you, you get a notification whenever yeah, you someone you're loyal to <laughs> amazing amazing okay so oh the the irony of Harry telling Dobby to not save his life again when Dobby saves the fuck out of Harry's life and dies doing it is so tragic. Oh no, I didn't even think about that. I know. I'm sorry. So sad. It's so sad. It makes me wonder if Rowling already had a plan for how that was going to go down or if as she was writing the seventh book, she like remembered Harry saying that to Dobby and was like, oh, I could do something really, really good with that. Either way, it's definitely like a writing kudos moment because mm-hmm. look, as much as she may be a garbage person, she is in fact a very good writer, which is why these books are as big of a deal as they are. Yeah, it just uh, grabbed my heart and ripped it out of my chest. Um, speaking of good things from trash people, uh, Dumbledore's line about, like, it's not, it's like, it's not our abilities that define us, it's our choices, is, like, such good life advice in Mm. general that it's so, it's so good. And I mean, there are a lot of lines that Dumbledore says that people give, like, a lot of, they come up a lot, people give a lot, like, a lot of, like, kudos to. And I, and I think that this is really just great because you can't put all your stock in like having like really great innate abilities if you don't do anything with it or if the choices you make to do with it harm other people yeah you nailed it okay so 
Towards the end of this chapter, we get this sort of throwaway line that Ginny is perfectly happy again. Quote unquote. <laughs> okay. What? That is no she no. Mm-mm. What? I have some I have some of that editorial because right? Okay, yeah, no, I it probably is an editorial. You're right. Uh most of my things in for this are pretty light, but can we just talk about how useless rich people are <laughs> we can as demonstrated by lucius malfoy who apparently cannot do his own hair or shine his own shoes even if he is in a herd without you know an enslaved elf helping him or not helping with which there are fucking spells for that i would take so sure literally a second to do that with your wand and i'm just like you are useless but on top of rich people are useless and ridiculous he accidentally frees dobby i have a lot my to say dude about that. <laughs> are you kidding In me what health and science or something i don't remember where i put all that. right it yeah it i'm so confused by dobby's the the everything anyway yes that's fair but yeah but on the side of it from lucius rich people are dumb <laughs> that's yes okay um i'm really excited i've been waiting all book for this moment. Okay, so as most of our listeners at this point probably know, uh, Jesse and I were very much inspired in a lot of ways to make this podcast by the podcast Witch Please, which is a great Harry Potter analysis podcast that went book by book, which is clearly not enough critical analysis of Harry Potter. And so we were like, you know what? We can do that. And so we made this podcast. We're really grateful that we're making this podcast. Anyway, in the early days of Witch Please, they would do this thing where they would trade off at the end of every episode asking each other a question. And at the end of the episode on this book, uh, Hannah asked Marcel, basically, so like, Percy was too embarrassed about what Ginny had caught him doing for it to be just kissing. Ginny is 11, so Hannah posited that Ginny doesn't understand what she walked in on and asked Marcel, what were Percy and Penelope actually doing? I listen to podcasts while I do chores. So, like, I have this very clear memory of being (laughs) in my bedroom, putting away laundry, listening to this episode of the podcast... Hannah asked this question before Marcel answers. I shouted aloud in my empty bedroom to myself, pegging. (laughs) And then immediately Marcel was like, she saw Penelope pegging Percy. And I felt so validated. And also I feel like that means that we're both very right because clearly that is what was happening. I mean, I'm here for this. I am pro pegging. And all comes of fiction and in real life. <laughs> I feel like I just always assumed it was somehow just like oral sex, but pegging is such a is such is a much better answer. I I mean I get yes, Percy would be very embarrassed about Jenny catching them in that act, but the way that he's embarrassed, I feel like it has to be bigger than that. It has to be something that's, like, also embarrassing because of, like, societal standards and expectations. Yeah, so it's not vanilla. 
Exactly. Yes. I feel like we established throughout the course of this book that Percy's a freak in a good way. Yes. (laughs) And also, I just feel like anybody who is that, like, wound up all the time, bottoming is such a, like, wonderful relief to, like, have a time where you're just, like, not in charge of anything. So I just feel like it would be so freeing and empowering for Percy to have Penelope top him in that way because he would just have a fucking moment where he could just be like, oh my God, I don't have anything that I'm in charge of right now. Like, please let me have this time. So it just makes so much sense to me. Which ended up being a lot more like genuine and heartfelt than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I think you're exactly right about Percy being a bottom in that regard. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's my last front page. (laughs) My last front page is actually just a question. Okay. Which is, what is Lucius's endgame in lunging at Harry in the school? I know. Like, what did he think was going to happen I don't like in on the same hallway as Dumbledore's office. Like, and I know it's like at night question mark something something, but my like my dude, like what 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 were you thinking? I mean, it's not like there's any child protection laws in this world. He probably was. I don't know. Gonna hit him. I don't know. It's pretty wild. It's like it's like a cartoonish. It's like a gif of. Homer Simpson, like, strangling Bart, only it's, like, Lucius Malfoy and Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. I think I had that in my politics section with the rest of Lucius, but, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty outlandish, man. You're a grown-ass adult. Get your shit together. But, you know, he doesn't have his shit together, so. That's because he's just a incompetent rich dude (laughs) he doesn't know (laughs) no welcome to education where we talk about this goddamn school 200 points to gryffindor 200 it's just it's funny because while ron was definitely instrumental in helping harry Harry did go up against a basilisk and win, but got the same amount of points as Ron. (laughs) Yep. It's, and also, I don't know. It just, I mean, we've talked at length about how like arbitrary and useless house points are, but I just, I'm not sure that you should be able to get house points for something like this, I guess, because it's not an equal opportunity situation. It it just seems like there should be stricter parameters around which house points are earned, I guess, that maybe shouldn't include like breaking a million rules that you should get expelled for breaking. And I don't know. Does that, what do you think about this? That is true because 
how many opportunities is an average student going to get to save someone's life? Well, I don't know. Hogwarts is pretty dangerous, so <laughs> maybe there are a lot of opportunities to save other students' lives and get those points for it. Doesn't it also feel a little bit almost demeaning of the action of saving a life to be like, oh, you get the same kind of recognition as you would get for answering a question correctly in class. Yeah. it. I just don't, they just don't feel right together to me for whatever reason. I mean, nothing about house points is right or good. No, that's true. All right. What else in education? Do you want to talk about canceling exams? I do. <laughs> um, I 110% think that the kids who still had to do their owls and newts did not get their exams canceled and they're fucking pissed. And they're not pissed, but it's like, what? Do you feel like the owls and the newts are something more akin to the SATs? So it's not even really something that's part of your Hogwarts experience it's a separate sort of a little bit of a separate thing i understand there's not actually like colleges in this world so it doesn't what would they be for but you have outside testers coming in so and it doesn't seem like your owls or your newts have any bearing on whether or not you graduate for instance so i kind of feel like canceling end of term exams might be a separate thing from the owls and the newts like they're a fully separate kind of testing yeah i think so and honestly given the how corrupt and broken the hogwarts education system is it's a good idea that the newts and the owls are by a separate testing yes that's very accurate canceled exams i mean i guess that's good for kids like neville who are like i don't have to worry about this cool gonna just keep going ahead to to year three yeah because it's not really explicitly said what happens if you don't do well on these exams like they don't no one seems to be held back doesn't hermione say maybe in the last book that if they don't do well in the exams then then they won't be able to move ahead whether or not that's true is a really good question i failed eighth grade and i still just went on to high school the only thing that happened is that i didn't get to go to the water park with my class for the end of year field trip not that i ever would have gone to wear a bathing suit in front of my classmates intentionally i think my mom took me nicole skipped it in solidarity with me and my mom took us to like a different pool the same day why didn't I get in trouble for failing eighth grade, Jesse? I don't think it matters. <laughs> Fail eighth grade doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it doesn't really. Yeah, and I feel this the same, uh, especially considering Crab and Goyle, who. Yeah. I cannot imagine do well at any of their classes. No. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. And we're going to get straight to a quite hefty Witch NSA watch. Uh, Okay, so my first note says Dumbledore knows everything. Go. How much does Dumbledore know about the Horcruxes at this point? Because he seems 
curious, but not totally surprised by the diary about maybe Harry having a piece of Voldemort in him, aka, like, does he already suspect Harry is a horcrux? It's like, it is very, I'm just very curious about that at this point. I think that in book six, he says that he had his suspicions, namely because like, there's not that many ways that you can die and not die. Right. Right. Um, and then the, the diary really just sort of confirmed his suspicions. I'm pretty sure is what he says. Yeah. The part about, about Harry being a Horcrux is an interesting question. I'm not sure at what point Dumbledore starts to suspect that, but it is interesting that he's like, oh, like, he must have transferred some of his powers to you. That's why you can speak Parseltongue, which, like, in theory, Dumbledore learned that Harry speaks Parseltongue, like, 20 minutes ago. And has already been like, this blah, 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 I've got this whole theory, even though all this shit's been happening for the last 20 minutes. And it's like, he's really tipped his hand. He tips his whole, he throws his whole deck of cards on the floor here in terms of, like... I'm watching you, watching you, watching you. Because he yeah. clearly knew that Harry could speak Parseltongue. Well, he must have known oh. when everyone else found out. Never mind, you're right. I take it all back. But here is the thing that is infuriating, which is Dumbledore, it appears, clearly knew that Lockhart was a scammer from Jump and still hired him. Yep. He, right. Okay, so, so many things. Do, is Dumbledore the only one? Because he, he, <laughs> I have so many feelings about this. So I have this theory about a lot of the stuff that happens in this chapter. That as opposed, we could... We could say it's possible that as opposed to having already known all of this, Dumbledore is performing hefty legitimacy on both Harry and Lucius and learning the information in real time, which is super invasive and fucked up. But But also very plausible. But makes me feel a lot better about everything in this book. Where it's like, oh my god, if he knew that Lucius planted this diary on Ginny... From the beginning of the year, that's I, I mean, so I, much more fucked up than if he's learning that right now. I mean, I I don't I mean I don't think I think that there is a lot of things Dumbledore knew from Jump. I don't think that the diary was one of them. But he he uh, in the conversation he makes it very clear that he's like I know all about what you did, Lucius. So. I mean, I think you're right in, in that he's either pulling it from his mind in real time or. Also probably a little bit bluffing him. And it makes me wonder... I mean, so the way Dumbledore... I guess it doesn't... It's not necessarily that big of a jump to be like... Lucius Malfoy was in Voldemort's inner circle. Has access to a lot of Voldemort shit. And is one of the few people in his inner circle that's not in Dumbledore's side who's who's not in Azkaban. Mm. Besides that other dude who's running another magic school. Um. And Snape. 
Well, Snape is on yeah. Dumbledore's side. Yeah. Ostensibly. Right. And yeah. But clearly, Karkaroff or whatever is like not doing shit. He's yeah. too afraid to do shit. Yeah. Um, and and actually, this does tie more into NS- which NSA. And since Dumbledore, as the originator of the original of both Order of the Phoenixes, is probably keeping just as close to eye on Lucius Malfoy and Draco as he is on Harry and on. Voldemort's disemboweled spirit hanging out in Albania. Disembodied. Disen- dis- disembodied. <laughs> Sorry, you said disemboweled, which is just really upsetting. <laughs> That's not the oh image. Oh my god. That- <laughs> but it did make me think about, I don't know if you read Saga, the Saga comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the like nanny who is just like half a person with her like intestines hanging out. It made me imagine Voldemort as as that for a minute there, which was great. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, yes, but if he had... Okay. But if Dumbledore had known about this from the beginning of the year, then, like, and hadn't put a stop to all of this, that would be so incredibly fucked up. So... Oh, it is incredibly fucked up. And I believe what happens in this year... A little bit similar to last book is I think Dumbledore is waiting to see what happens. He has his suspicions. He has his hunches. I think that he is waiting slash has waited to see how it's going to play out. But you think, wait, but you said up top, you don't think that he knew about the diary. I don't think that he knew about Lucius giving Ginny the diary. And that is what's causing the chamber, like the chamber secrets, to be open. I think that he does suspect that what is happening at the school is related to Voldemort. He's just not sure how. Okay. And like how how it's actually happening, but I mean, because he he knows Myrtle was killed by the basilisks that was released, and like he probably suspects that Tom. But he doesn't know it's a basilisk. That's true. Which is bizarre. Because why wouldn't he just fucking ask Myrtle? Well, doesn't Myrtle say that she only saw the, well, she saw the eyes? Which that is actually not that. Which should have been a giveaway. It's a actually. giveaway. <laughs> it's bizarre. But, okay, but we're in agreement. He's just reading Lucius's mind in real time, learning this information. Right. He's reading his he's reading in time and he's also kind of putting together all of the bits of information that he's gathered all year round and like sort of putting it together almost sort of like Sherlock Holmes style, like in this chapter. Okay. Where he's like, Aha, I have deduced that By reading your mind. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> some 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 mind reading. Um, for sure. Uh which and then here is a thing that is interesting is that it's very clear that Lucius Malfoy did not know that this was a horcrux. Yeah. Yeah. So Lucius did not know this is a horcrux because why like I don't know what he thought was going on besides like I'm gonna fucking show it to Arthur Weasley and frame his daughter for this thing but whoa misstep my dude. Yeah, well, didn't we establish a million episodes? Not a million. I don't know. At some point during the season, we decided that Voldemort must have basically told him 
this has the power to open the Chamber of Secrets at Hogwarts, but not told him that it's a Horcrux. Because Lucius obviously knew that it would open the chamber and that Voldemort made it. But he wouldn't have risked it if he knew it was a Horcrux. And he even doesn't seem, I mean, not that he would outwardly be like, oh no, it's been destroyed, but it seems like at the end of the book, like, he still has possession of the ruined diary. Yeah. Which, I'm sure come book six, or whatever, Voldemort tortured the shit out of him for that. yeah. <laughs> like. Definitely. Whoops. <laughs> so, just, like, funny note is that McGonagall's like, I think we'd all like to know how they saved her. And I, just, my note says, not Dumbledore, because he already knows. Because <laughs> he's just... It's clear from the moment they walk into the office, he's just beaming at them. He's like, oh, I'm, I know, I'm up on it. I've been watching you and my cameras, like... Right. Oh, yeah. Fox is there. Good job. Oh, cool. We we hadn't seen this sort of Gryffindor in like 800 years. Good thing you pull it out of this hat, Harry. Yeah. Good. Thanks. It Thanks just makes that. me think of Theo's comic from the end of the last book where <laughs> Dumbledore has like the TV screens of like all the different portions of Hogwarts and is like pushing the buttons like, you know, open the box like in the Hunger Games. So he's like releases Fox. Okay. Like deploy sorting hat. Uh, which, realistically, probably. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about, yes, I'm also just thinking about Dumbledore being a game maker in the Hunger Games and how fucked up that would be. He'd be really good at it. I mean, he's basically, crap, what is the name of the dude in the second one? Who, like, tries to help them, but is still, like, give them very cryptic clues about the arena? Fuck. You know, you think, based on the number of times I've read that, Book, I would be able to answer that question. One of us will think of it in like 20 minutes. Probably. Anyway. Starts with an S. No, that's Seneca Crane. That's student, the first one who gets murdered oh. for letting them with the berries. Anyway. I do. I have sort of a half thought about when Harry is talking to Dumbledore about how. Tom was like, hey, you and I are alike. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like trying to like work through how he feels about that. And I feel like Dumbledore is sort of just as curious about how Harry is going to turn out or like sort of like what he thinks about this as the rest of us are. Hmm. Because I think that Dumbledore has more in common with, like, Voldemort and Snape than he does with Harry. Mm Mm-hmm. As it turned to sad, angry, power-hungry dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I feel like part of Dumbledore's, like, intense observation of Harry has just sort of been like, oh, I wonder what that feels like just to be unselfconsciously good good person. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yes. And in that moment, again, okay, so I want to know, do you think, so Dumbledore obviously knows everything about the conversation that Harry had with the sorting hat when he was being sorted. 
is Dumbledore learning that by reading Harry's mind in this moment, or did he already know? Hmm. So I like the image of Dumbledore at the end, after the the feast, the beginning of the year feast, every year, going up to his office, putting the sorting hat on his <laughs> own head, and being like, give me the hot gas. And just the, the sorting hat being like, let me tell you all the most interesting things that I learned today. That is, I think that's, I think, yes, that is totally it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Terrible, but great. No, it is pretty great. Dumbledore has a little journal. Uh-huh. A very, like, elaborate gay quill. It's like, all right, yeah, great. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, he's making his list of students to keep a closer eye on. Like, ooh, yikes. And, like, ooh, that's so interesting. <laughs> Um, right. Definitely anything he gets to know about about Harry, he'll be taking detailed notes on. Yeah, for sure. So I can't totally tell how many hours has passed since. Let's say it's like eight hours of like, Ginny's been taken. Everyone is sad. The like Ron and Harry going Chamber of Secrets. All of a sudden, everyone on the board of governors knows that Ginny is dead. Lucius knows enough that that Voldemort came, that Dumbledore is back to show up at Hogwarts in the middle of the night, question mark? How does anyone know these things so quickly? That is also my last point. Okay. (laughs) It is like, what? Wild. So I tried to come up with an, an answer. Here's something that I thought of is that Molly Weasley, upon learning that her daughter is dead, in, like, a fit of frustration and anger, fires off a letter to, like, the head of the Board of Governors and is like, close this fucking school down. (laughs) They murdered my daughter. And therefore, the board then is like, god damn it, get Dumbledore back in the school. And then Lucius hears about it because of some sort of, like, obligatory chain of communication mm-hmm. um and gets all mad about it etc that's the only way that i could come up with because like why would mcgonagall have like alerted the board of governors right away that this had happened before jenny you know before like molly had even come to like deal with any of it or anything you know what Molly did? She, she sent a fucking howler. She sure did. Because <laughs> that, that's in character for her, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you're going to send a howler to the Board of Governors about how the school murdered your child, I think that is the, appro- that is the appropriate time and place for a howler at like 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. At your house. Woodf has gone this, at this fucking school. She sent <laughs> off however many people are on the Board of Governors. She sent one to each of them. And they're all like, holy fuck, we need Dumbledore back there ASAP. Yeah. Yep. Also, also, by the way, Lucius Malfoy threatened all of us, which, what is the endgame of that? Like, what? That is, okay, so that's other politics, right? So should we leave NSA Watch now? (sighs) Yeah. All right, this has been... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I got (laughs) (laughs) Jump the gun on that one. Incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's my first, uh, also my first non, non-NSA politics. Lucius fucking threatened their families. Holy shit. 
also you're also what 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 was the end game of that like i just i feel like all of lucius's actions in this book it's like what is the logical conclusion of what you're doing did you even think that through or were you just like fuck author easily well this one i guess is just fuck dumbledore i guess maybe he was hoping that like a new headmaster would be would be elected appointed hired whatever and like it would just sort of like blow over and then he could i don't know i mean i guess if he leaned on the board of governors to have snape be headmaster over which doesn't make any sense because mcgonagall is deputy headmistress so she would have been like it would have just gone to her yeah it's also confusing because he's clearly not like the chair of the board of governors because he gets sacked at the end of this chapter and so if you go around threatening the families of everyone else on the board of governors why wouldn't they just sack him right away like do you think he has like dirt on them like how did this i mean i guess if a former domestic terrorist had like threatened me it'd be like you know what this isn't worth it do whatever the fuck you want to (laughs) like but doesn't wouldn't that remain true at the after the events of the end of the book? I guess that is fair. If he retaliates though, that's a it's not I mean it's a clear motive, but even what would even happen to him would he go to jail? Like he has never been to jail for any of the shit he's done, so No. <laughs> And there's probably not any sort of, like, written law that you're not allowed to threaten people's families. Not in this world. Nope. Uh, everything that I have is about Lucius. I don't know. Do you... Uh, I, actually have a, I actually have a couple of things that aren't about Lucius. Okay. Well... We can, talk, so we can keep talking about Lucius, though. Finish talking about him? Yeah. Um, I had the thing about him lunging at Harry, which is just, like, so wildly unthinkable. Um, and then just, like... Dobby's abuse. Ugh. Poor Dobby. He shows up covered in bandages. Like, and he hasn't even recently done anything, like, related to Harry. So this is all just, whatever has happened to him is related to just his day-to-day normal-ass life with the Malfoys. Yeah. Um, And we see Lucius kicks him down the hallway. I don't know. Rich people are the worst. Yes, rich people are not the only people who abuse subordinates slash, like, lesser... That is true. Like, beings and people that they perceive to be lesser. I think anyone who thrives on feelings of power um, tend to be people who are perpetrating those kinds of abuses on, you know, I don't know, children and dogs and you know yeah fair people below them on like the work ladder and whatever mostly white dudes like let's not lie about who we mean when we say people who thrive on feelings of power yep i think the money thing here only plays into the fact that like who he's doing this abuse to is a house elf which you have to have money to have in this fucked up world I don't really, I feel like we've said so much about, like, the horror of house elves that I'm not sure, like, what more there is to say. I don't. 
Um, I have. I guess I, I guess I don't know if it goes here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. In in this chapter, in the last chapter, and I guess in this book, Harry grapples a little bit about if he's in if it was correct for him to be in Gryffindor if he is more like Tom Riddle than like he is comfortable feeling. I do love that sirens go off behind you often very timely when you're talking about like super upsetting things. It's like really it's <laughs> it's like an alert noise about It is. Um, what is that called? Dramatic fallacy, I think is what it's called in writing where it's like you're sad so it's raining outside is like yeah. a device used. Well, uh just so you know, I live two blocks from a fire station, <laughs> which is okay. why there are often sirens behind me. Uh, and I guess it's good in case something ever happens, knock on wood, but not very convenient for recording a podcast. No. I like, I like don't even notice it anymore. That's why when you're like, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Harry's grappling with, is he like a soulless monster, a.k.a. Mm. Tom Riddle? But then he promptly is working to free Dobby, who has literally caused him harm multiple times in this book because it's the right thing to do. And I'm like, Harry, baby, no, you were you were not like Tom Riddle or Voldemort. Like you no. went out of your way to help someone who has caused you harm because it's the right thing to do, which is more than I can say of most people. <laughs> And I've met, like, most people out in the world living their lives. Totally. Yeah, no, that's a super good point. Poor Harry. You know, the thing is that he probably doesn't even, like, weigh that in to his assessment of whether or not he belongs in Slytherin because it's so, it seems to be just, like, completely second nature to him to to just do that. Like, there's no... Right, like, in his mind, there's, like, there is no... It's not a question of either or not to do it. It's like, oh, I need to do this. This is the right thing to do. Uh, clearly, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, There's there, there was just literally no question in his mind. So it wouldn't even ever occur to him to write. To consider that against if he's was sorted correctly. Right. You know? Yeah. Which is just... Bless him, you know? I know, if only... Uh... More uh, cis dudes take that to the end of consideration when they treat other living creatures like that. Yeah. Uh, Harry's a good a good role model out there, y'all. Yeah. In continuing the uh, Aladdin theme of the end of this <laughs> book, if we compare Harry to Aladdin, Aladdin goes through like a shitload and creates a whole lot of issues for a lot of people before he finally gets his shit together to free the genie, and Harry doesn't even give it a second thought. So, just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, so, is Ginny's lack of punishment in this situation the best example of justice in this entire series? Because it might be. And I mean, because Ginny is just as much of a victim as anyone else she doesn't get punished for it Mm -hmm. and i mean besides i'm sure lifelong trauma of being possessed by a bit of Voldemort's soul what are you talking about she's perfectly happy again by the end of the book all you should need is some hot cocoa and and (laughs) and a nice nap and she's totes fine what if there's a potion that you can take to like 
de-trigger trauma so that it, you know, you're already at the point that you get to after you do extensive fucking like exposure therapy or EMDR where you can think about it and not live in the moment and have like a visceral physical reaction, like a potion that just like breaks those neural pathways for you so that you can think about it without flipping out. My, I would sell my soul for that. I also would sell my soul for that. I mean, they just gave her a bunch of magical chocolate. I don't... Right, exactly. (laughs) It works for for Dementors. Just eat some more chocolate. It's like the one reason that I would be willing to go live in this, like, backwards-ass society is like, oh, can you do something for my mental health that doesn't require, like, a million dollars in therapy? Sounds great. Okay. I mean, just being able to dump all your memories into a pencil and be like, peace out, memories, would be awesome. Does it work that way? I don't feel like it works that way, but we sh- we've been recording for so fucking long, Jesse, and we're not even done with half of our sections, oh, so wow, we can't talk yep. about the pensive right now. Okay, yep. As much as do. I want to. Okay. I'm going to do that right now. Okay. My second politics thing, which is two, is a two-part thing. Dumbledore says he needs to write to Azkaban to get Hagrid out. Mm-hmm. Number one, there should be a fucking quicker way to do that. Fuck you, Dumbledore. You should have just apparated there. You mean or like put a your phone? head in the fire. You mean like a phone? <laughs> Something. <laughs> but number two, if he's writing to Azkaban, there must be that there must be people that work mm. there, which I guess I don't know where I'm going with that besides it sounds shitty and terrible. Unless you're the worst, like, people who become cops. So maybe it's just the worst people are, like, working at Azkaban. Well, definitely that. But also, like, we, um, remember when, when they go to the trial in the seventh book and, like, all of the people on the jury are, like, behind a Patronus wall? hmm So if you worked at Azkaban, you would basically just have to, like, have your Patronus, like, guarding you all the time from the effects of the Dementors, which... Obviously, you would have to be, like, a terrible fucking person to be willing to do that, but... Right. I'm I'm, I'm imagining the same kind of people who are, like, I want to work for ICE, or people who want to work for Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Like, the Patronus is like, ah, yes, human suffering. Yeah. That's what I love. Yes. Yeah. Accurate. That was your last politics? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we end on... Yeah. <laughs> I think this is an accurate ending of every politics section we've ever had. Totally is. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. It is so painful to watch Harry failing to put together Dobby's extremely explicit fucking message for so long while Dobby is hitting himself in the face. It makes me so frustrated. I'm just like, Harry! For for the record, Harry has had a very long evening. You're right. (laughs) I still hate it. It is, it is, it is hard to watch. It's like, how long has that been happening before it like clicks in Harry's mind? Like been, it's been like 10 minutes. It's been so long. I'm like, no, Dobby, buddy. You don't have to keep doing it. You know, you did it. He'll be thinking about it until he figures it out anyway. All right. Um, 
Dumbledore does a thing in this chapter that I absolutely hate. Hmm. Which is, he calls Tom Riddle the most brilliant student that Hogwarts has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Which I incredibly hate when people call, and let's be real, mainly cis white dudes who are like good at, at one thing, mm-hmm. but are really bad at a lot of things and are often soulless, like apathetic, terrible people, geniuses. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't matter, like how smart you are, if you use that, if you use that intelligence to ruin people's lives. It's sort of like when people are like, "Oh yeah, Elon Musk is a genius." Elon Musk is the worst, and is trying to like eradicate public health, like transit in a lot of places. Like he's not—he's just some dude with money. Like he, like that's not, gene. Like it's like, I. It just—it just frustrates me to be like. Of course, Dumbledore, who. In his use was all about like yes, me and my boyfriend are so much smarter than everyone. Yeah, greater good thinks that Tom Riddle is brilliant, but really he's just some dude who's good at book learning, who is the worst. That's not genius. I don't get the impression that Dumbledore means brilliant in a way of like uh, of praise. I think he just is using it as like an objective like he did a bunch of really fucking hard magic he figured out a bunch of really fucking hard stuff because i don't think that using like the word genius or brilliant actually necessarily comes with like the connotation of good because a lot of people i mean read even if we're staying in the realm of fantasy right every supervillain in every story ever like superhero story like becomes a supervillain by being brilliant right by like being able to create things that no one else could create and using them for evil Mm -hmm. and that doesn't that doesn't make them good or like praiseworthy it just is like an objective descriptor of like their brain i don't know does that feel true or no that is true it just it just it just struck me when he was like Tom Riddle is the most brilliant student at Hogwarts ever, which is like, really? Really? It's also the ever part, I think, is super problematic because you are weighing that based on his outward accomplishments when a lot of people who don't have as much privilege as Tom Riddle might have had as much ability as he had and not been given the opportunity to express that ability so there is a huge amount of issue with his like the ranking part of describing him as brilliant is actually like terrible and shouldn't right that part is fucked up yes i agree it's also weird that dumbledore would even say that because like one of the two of them discovered like the 12 uses of dragon's blood while at school and it was dumbledore and not voldemort like that was a thing that actually has like you know probably saved a fuckload of people whereas all dumbledore or whereas all voldemort did was like make some horcruxes and murder a bunch of people murder a bunch of people find like the lost relics of hogwarts yeah but also turn those relics into his horcrux which means they were all destroyed which the part of me that's just like but the history well, yeah. anyway i'm so- <laughs> anyway look we'll at to that five books from me. 
70 years from now, because in the time it takes us to do the first three books, we will have the equivalent amount of time that will be spent doing the fourth book by itself. So (laughs) this is, it's not actually really an editorial. This probably could have been on the front page, but just like, I feel like I have such an eye roll reaction at the idea of Harry remembering the moment when Lucius slipped Ginny the diary It's like, no, mm, come on. Like, maybe he'd be like, oh, you probably gave that to her, like, while we were at the bookstore that day. Maybe. Or he'd just be like, wait, when? What? Or he'd be like, maybe Draco did it. They're just, I don't know. It just seems, like, really unlikely to me that the amount that Harry seems to remember in this moment. I think that's fair. It's not really a rant. Just yeah, exists. no, I mean, it does seem weird that, like, Harry's like, ah, yes, that exact moment when you held up this one book, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, what's up? What's next? Uh, I actually don't have any more editorials. So I think they all went out in other parts of this, okay. <laughs> in other sections. My last one is just, oh my god, Dobby, your hint really sucked. Yeah, that's not a hint. It was not a hint. It's no so- one was gonna, <laughs> it's like, Dobby, no. It seems like, so, I have tried multiple times to get into crossword puzzles, but I find the hints not useful at all. This is what it feels like. Yes, but at least crossword puzzles have, like, there's, like, a... You can look up, basically, like, a key, right? That's, like, how I got good at crossword puzzles is you have to understand like the key like the way that the sentence like the hint is phrased and like whether it's in italics and like whatever like they all mean different things and then also there's like a hundred words that are just in like every crossword puzzle and you just learn what those words are and what the hints for them are huh um i'm learning so many new things right now (laughs) yes Dobby's hint had no key. No. Nothing that was going to help Harry to figure out the fuck he was saying. It was the opposite of helpful. (laughs) That's why I love it. He's just like, okay, yeah, thanks, Dobby. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's just, how do you, you don't, like, how else do you respond to this, like, the least helpful answer ever? Yep. Okay, gotta go. See ya. Hopefully to shower before going to the feast. Fingers crossed. I know. Dobby being like, yes, let me have this gross sock to put on. Like, no, don't put it on. Dude, the fact that fucking Lucius Malfoy took that out of his hand is like the least, the most unbelievable part of this entire chapter. If someone was like, here, I'd be like, excuse me, no. (laughs) Which is in my corrections. I'm just going to go there because we're here. The whole thing with the sock is super unbelievable because... Lucius would never, like, take this disgusting-ass sock, reach inside of it, extract the diary, and then toss the sock aside. No to all of that. But there are a million ways that it could have been believable. For instance, Lucius being like, you know, and then being like, Dobby, get that. And then Dobby taking it, and then being like, you fucking freed me. Alternately, Harry puts the sock inside the diary, right? Lucius takes the diary and is like, "Ugh, why are you giving this to me? Hands the diary to Dobby. There's a secret sock inside of it. And Dobby gets freed. Also totally believable. What's not believable is how it goes down in this chapter. (laughs) 
I I realized reading this chapter, any other time I've read this book, in my brain, I've just imagined that, like, I've imagined that Harry has just put the sock inside the front cover of the diary and hands it to him. Not that he puts the diary in this gross, damp, mucky, blood-covered children's sock. Because, ew. And also, right, Lucius would never put that in his well-manicured hands. Ever. No. No. I would not touch that. I got upset at the part where, like, Molly hugs him and Ron when they're all gross. I'm like, no, don't touch them. They're gross right now. You're going to smell bad after you do that. (laughs) Don't don't do it. I can't even imagine. It's just so ridiculous. And then the other part of this, which we touched on briefly earlier, is if the act of tossing a sock and the house elf catching it freeze Dobby because Lucius did not in fact give him a sock that Dobby would have been freed a thousand years ago. Like every time they take their clothes off to go to bed and throw them in the hamper, Dobby could have just hidden in the hamper, caught the (laughs) sock and been freed. This is again, this could all make sense if the sock was in the diary and Lucius handed Dobby the diary. That would make right. sense. But, like, if offhandedly tossing an article of clothing frees your house elf, Dobby could have freed himself the second he wanted to be freed. Wow, that is actually a really good point. Yeah, how do house elves do laundry without being free? This is a very good question. I feel like, given the logic that we're given in this chapter, they don't. The logistics of of witching laundry has never occurred to me. You just wave your wand, they all hang themselves up on the clothesline. You wave your wand again, they fold themselves in the basket. I mean, maybe, because Hermione mentions earlier in this book stealing some clothing from the laundry. So there must be some kind of like weird communal hamper? I don't know. Oh, like at Hogwarts. I've wondered that so frequently. Like, who, I mean, the house elves must be doing the laundry, but, like, how does it get back to the right kid is a mystery. Maybe they're not touching it? I don't know. Oh, right. How do they do it without being freed? And then also, like, how do you get the right identical black robes back to the right child? Because Hermione leaves a bunch of knit hats around. Anyway, yeah, we'll get into this, the logistics of this. But right, it seems- the hats make it so confusing, too. The logistics of house elves and them not being enslaved doesn't make any sense. I'm sure this will come up again in a later Because I feel like with the... I should stop talking about this. Never mind. Okay. I'm We're going to talk about it in the future. Yes. Well, we've now also done all of my corrections, so... I, I, have, I have one correction. Okay, actually. cool. <clears throat> <clears throat> so, the entirety of this book rests on Lucius Malfoy smuggling a diary into Ginny's textbook. Logistically, like, if you put a, like, a journal inside of a book, it's just gonna stick out. Like, how, like, no. That's... This diary is constantly being put inside of things that it doesn't fit in. No! (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, you're right. No. Unless this diary is... The width of 
five pages, it would just stick out and you would, like, it, there'd be no subtle putting it anywhere. No. That just made me very angry. I'm like... I'm with you. It's all, it all just doesn't make and any is it sense. And like, isn't it like leather bound or something or... I don't remember. Maybe it's some, anyway, it's too big to put inside of a book. It is book size. It is a book. Yes. It also is too big to put inside of a 12-year-old sock. Yes, it is. <laughs> Harry, and Harry is tiny and, and malnourished. He has tiny feet. Yep. He's wearing baby socks. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know how big children's socks are, but tiny. I mean, they wouldn't fit on our feet, and I feel like I would have a hard time putting a journal in one of my socks, so... You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, welcome to advertisements, which is what <laughs> I'm now calling this section because Dumbledore says that he has to write an advertisement for a new uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And I was like, oh, yes, that's what those are called in England slash the UK, I guess, because they're in Scotland right now. And it makes me laugh to say it that way. So <laughs> that's what this section is now called. <laughs> So, welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then we make you laugh. Subject, independent queer podcast seeks sugar parents. Us, a self-produced podcast doing its very best to make the world a better and queerer place one episode at a time. You, a lover of our content who values our work and wants to see us succeed in life. We will give you many perks in exchange for your support. Make a one-time donation through our website and get awesome merch in exchange or become a patron and get tons of bonus content. You can't go wrong either way. You can learn about all of those things on our website, thegailyprofit.com. So... Now, we're going to mention again that we are working towards our first goal wherein we will be able to start paying for transcription of our episodes as they come out, which is really important to us for accessibility reasons and also not available for us to do for accessibility reasons for me and for time reasons for Jesse. So we would really like to be able to do that. And also it will cover the cost of production for one episode a month. And that will be really good for accessibility reasons because I cannot continue producing our podcast at the rate that we currently put it out and also do the work that I need to do for money at the same time. And also, also, our patrons this week get to see a video of Jesse responding in real time to <laughs> this week's season recap song. So um, if that's not a reason to join our Patreon, I don't know what is. Yeah. Also, you want to also you want to support us and all of our cool shit. Yeah, you do. Okay, so our second advertisement this week is, in fact. A posting for Position of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> Position available. Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Hogwarts is seeking a brave, dynamic team player to teach our students maybe the most important material they'll learn during their time at our school. <laughs> Requirements. Willing to die or be permanently incapacitated. <laughs> Willing to live away from your family for 10 months a year indefinitely. Ready to offer complete, unquestioning loyalty to an all-knowing, mostly benevolent dictator. Highly creative detention assignment skills. <laughs> Preferred, but not required by any means. 
know anything about defense against the dark arts, like children at least a little bit, ability to form and follow a lesson plan. Benefits, room and board, presumably some money, ability to pose a real threat to the safety and well-being of children without (laughs) being questioned. If this sounds like you, send an owl with a letter that says, I'm in, see you in September, to Albus Dumbledore (laughs) immediately. Position is first come, first serve. (laughs) (laughs) That is basically how that ad probably (laughs) This is really fun to write. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet, which is produced, mixed, and edited by me. Lark Malachi Gray. All right. Uh, if you want to support us, you should uh, tell all your friends about this here podcast. Uh, word of mouth is an excellent way for people to listen to us. Tell all your friends, your coworkers, your family, that random person from high school you had a crush on. Let them know. You can also rate and review us on the internet at iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also review us on Facebook. We will respond to that also. You can like and share our things on social media. We are at the Gaily Prophet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, you may have heard we have a Patreon. You should uh, become a patron. It's really rad. Uh, you can, you can also give a one-time donation at our website, thegailyprofit.com, where we also house our awesome merch. Uh, get a t-shirt or a mug or a sticker and show everyone in your life how much you love the Gailey Prophet. Our merch turns out really good way to, uh, pick up fellow queers. So if you're in a place and you want other people to know that you are queer, Wearing a t-shirt with a rainbow owl will definitely do it. (laughs) And the word gaily, really big (laughs) across the front. (sighs) Okay. Uh, If you want to find me in between episodes, you can do that at larkmalachi.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com where you can read about and acquire some of the services that I offer when I'm not making this podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi or at Radical Healer. Um, you can find me in between episodes on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit, where you can look at photos of my cat, Winnie. <laughs> She's so beautiful. <laughs> Um, our music was by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. Our logo and show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. He also creates weekly comics based on every episode. You should definitely check them out because they will blow your mind. Also, the music for the, um season recap song is to the tune of yeah by usher (laughs) i don't know how to formally credit that (laughs) anyway until next time hailstorm heart attack sock shoe shine Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> Do you want to try that again, friend? <laughs> Let's put that at the end. Welcome to a podcast where your host is going through puberty. Um, <laughs> Hogwarts! Hogwarts!
Let's go. Get us out of here so I can set Dobby free. 